Come on. Strong, the powerful John Ostenson is here on Lifeblood Create. Welcome, John. Thanks, George. Love the show. Excited to be here with you. Yeah, excited to have you on. John is the CEO of Fran Bridge Consultants. He's a, he is a consultant. He is an investor, a speaker. He's an expert in non-food franchising and is the author of The Franchise Path. Again, excited to have you on, John. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Absolutely, absolutely. So based here in Atlanta, Georgia, my wife Jenny and I have three young kids, and uh, that certainly occupies a good bit of our free time, but we try to stay plugged in into the community in different philanthropic uh, capacities as well. But um, I find myself, you know, I, I'm, I'm the toughest boss I've ever had, you know, when you're uh, in business for yourself, and so I do uh, do work myself pretty hard, and um, part of that is because I love what I do, absolutely love uh, the space I operate in, helping to educate and take people along a path uh, to explore business ownership through franchising. Um, my background had had a good run in the corporate world, did the consulting, business school, uh, you know, a corporate trajectory, and uh, like so many others, had that itch a couple of years ago to uh, to do something a little more entrepreneurial and had the opportunity to step into um, a leadership role with Shelf Genie, which is a large uh, Inc. 500 company, actually, uh, national franchise system based here in Atlanta. Came in, ran the day-to-day, and it really opened up my eyes to franchising and what it can do for a lot of would-be business owners uh, and just how it's a better path. Nice. I appreciate that. So it's interesting, right? Uh, going through the the business school experience, which which I know to be extremely valuable, and I have a lot of friends that that have done that, and then gone to work at massive multinational companies or you know, corporations, and, and then going and and really doing your 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 own thing was was that easy to reconcile for you? Was it hard to sort of break away from that career path of massive company? It absolutely is. You know, traits become so ingrained. I, you know, I'm still at a place, you know, I'll call my wife on a Friday afternoon at times and say, hey, boss is letting me off early, you know, and, and she chuckles at that. No, there, there are a lot of traits that are ingrained, but um, no, I, I feel like I checked every box in the corporate world, got to do some neat things, tra- a lot of travel, a lot of international um, experience, and, uh, you know, could have done that forever and uh, was very happy. However, had that itch, and I knew uh, you only live once, and if you're not building your own dream, you're building someone else's. And so I uh, finally scratched that itch and uh, stepped away uh, close to five years ago and never once looked back. Nice. Well, I appreciate that. So when I think about the value of a franchise, I think, okay, well, instead of me having to create an entire brand on my own, instead of me having to create this uh, a, a workable business plan that I know will get me results, that, 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 that's sort of what I think about. What, when, when, when you talk about it, I'm sure you check those boxes too, but what else do you really view as, as the value, the benefits? Absolutely. You no, know, on day one in franchising, you're working towards profitability, not trying to figure out how to become profitable. You know what that path looks like, and it's, uh, it's really executing. And so you know, the benefits of a franchise, and, and franchising is not for everyone. You know, I'll give that caveat. Some people are a little too entrepreneurial, don't want to stay within the lines. Yeah. Um, but franchising provides several real benefits uh, to, to business owners. One, like you said, you, you've obviously got the brand, um, but they've tested the marketing vehicles. They've put together the operations manual and the training materials, and 
Uh, so it's easier to onboard employees. You've got other franchisees in the system that are all in the same boat, and really your interests are aligned. Um, you know, the better you do, the more valuable the system is, the better the exit they can have down the road. Uh, same with the franchisor. The better you do, the better they do. So you've got a coach on the sidelines. You're in business for yourself, but not for your uh, by yourself. And you just don't have to figure out as much. Um, you know what what I've shared you know, from my time at Shelf Genie, where I, I ran the the day to day operations and worked with dozens of franchisees. Where I saw a difference between those that were average versus those that really excelled was really in how they handled people, their ability at the local level to recruit attract, retain, incentivize, and then make the tough calls when needed. Uh, that was really the key that came down to uh, to being successful. Yeah, that, that certainly does make sense. And that's not, I mean, those things you just talked about, recruiting and retaining and incentivizing, that is, those are those are massive skill sets, right? So how do you help people get, get how, how do you coach people up there? Absolutely. And, and that's where, again, the, the value of the franchise system, that they'll help you understand where the best pools are to fish in for the right talent. Yeah. They'll help you understand how to incentivize, what that looks like, what's been successful through trial and error you know, with their other locations. Um, however, you know, it, where I've seen people fall down is that they come from middle America, middle corporate America, and they step in. They've never had to make the tough calls on personnel. And they hang on to someone a little bit too long or they aren't able to make it an attractive opportunity for someone. Um, but no, th there's definitely coaching on the sideline. I mean, the franchisor typically has a team, a support team, operations team that's out there you know, training in the field. So as you onboard, it's not all on your shoulders to have to bring them up to speed. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. And yeah, if you're not, if you're not accustomed to, and then if you're not comfortable making those, those, having those uncomfortable conversations, firing people when, when it's necessary or whatever it might be, then yeah, I can definitely see that, that, that you'll probably struggle. So that's true of probably anything, right? So you talk about uh, food versus non-food and it is, it's, it's, it's funny. I don't know that I ever really differentiated between the two, but when I sat down, I thought about it. It's like, Oh wow. I bet that there are just a, hundreds, thousands of non-food-related franchises that I'm not even aware of. You're exactly right. No, there are roughly 4,000 franchise brands in the U.S., huh. give or take roughly half of those are in food, but it's the other half that really don't get the attention. So a lot of the speaking engagements I do with investors or graduate students or different groups, it's me helping them understand, hey, what about the serve pros? What about health and wellness? What about roll-off dumpsters? What about... Um, so many different property services, senior care, there's so many capacities that we interact with daily, but we never think about as being franchises. And um, what I found is probably 95% of my clients have no interest in food. They, they don't like the fact you have to carry inventory. They don't like the location dynamics behind it and, and kind of risk that that incurs. Now, there are people out there that are food and related and, and they love it. And that's their space. That's not me. I don't have an interest there. So I've given all of my attention to focusing on those other opportunities outside of food. Um, and so it, it is interesting when I say non-food franchising, oftentimes people feel like that might be an oxymoron, but uh, it's really not. This episode is brought to you by Money Alignment Academy. If you are looking for a financial wellness platform for your company, your organization, and your employees, check out moneyalignmentacademy.com or click on the link in the notes of the show. Yeah, well, certainly. And I, my, my guess is that, that a lot of the franchises that 
the the other half, the 2,000 that are food related, probably didn't thrive over the past, you know, however many months it's been during COVID. It has been a tougher segment, obviously, and you know, many have adapted. But you know, food in general, general is a little more trendy. It's a little more uh, discretionary as far as um, you know, preferences go. Um, and, and so you have that risk at first, but then also, obviously, with COVID hitting, it did shut down many and many states. Um, and whereas, in turn, we saw other sectors absolutely thrive during that time. You know, the property services market is a $500 billion market. You think of home services, everything from pool cleaning to home cleaning to carpet cleaning to, uh, to, to the roofing, the kitchen remodeling. Um, people are staying at home, not traveling as much, spending on their homes. And um, we, and this was an industry, by and large, that was doing well prior to COVID, but we've only seen it accelerate ever since. Yeah, well, that certainly does make sense. It, it's like you think about, or when when you you think about it, like probably twenty four seven. I'm not thinking about home services, and you uh, mentioned elder care. I mean, the industry around that must just be massive and extraordinarily growing, and everything else. So, so many different kinds of opportunities. Then I guess that's sort of, I, I guess there's a question there, right? If I am yeah. interested in franchising, how do I look at this massive funnel and then get down to what, what what's maybe a good fit for me? It, it can absolutely be overwhelming. Everyone has a cousin whose friend's neighbor you know, bought into a franchise and had a good or bad experience. Um, so they're definitely not all created equal. But what we've done is we've taken that world of franchise brands. We've vetted them. We know them well, relying on years of industry experience. A lot of people, frankly, smarter than me that I that I lean on in the space, and then we've narrowed it down. And so we've said, "Hey, here are the ones that we really believe in that we're proud to put in front of our clients." Um, we've curated it down to a list of around 300 that mm-hmm. we have a good relationship with. We believe in the leadership team, the profit models. Uh, these are the ones that have the momentum in the market that are doing the deals that are resonating with others uh, with similar backgrounds. And then the way my process works, it, it's entirely pro bono to to my clients uh, you know much like executive recruiting I get paid on the back end uh, by the franchisors when deals are done uh, there's really no bias towards uh, any one franchisor but you know I, I take the time to really get to know my clients understand you know what they are passionate about not from an industry standpoint but from a day-to-day activity standpoint and once we really peel back the onion and we talk about their goals I find that 80% of my clients end up in sectors that they never had on their radar, hmm. never thought they would be in. But once you look at business as really a component of parts and you break it down, um, it, it really is eye-opening. And, and, and that's part of the fun that I have is really exposing people to ideas they never thought of. Yeah, I think that, that that must be super interesting. I'm sure you get to interface with people from a million different backgrounds and different beliefs and values or all, all those things. And then take them through your process and they, they arrive at uh, XYZ and, and, and they thought that they were going to open up a, a floor cleaning service. So I'm sure that that's interesting. Do you have a sense of, of how many new franchises come online on an annual basis? Yeah. You know, I'm a member of the entrepreneurs organization. So I work with a lot of companies that are considering franchising as their path to scaling. Um, you know, it's the right fit for some, for others it's not, but I, I, I talk them through the process. I've got great partners to actually take the company through the FDB and, and all the different steps. Um, but no, we have uh, several hundred come on board every year. And, uh, you know, I, I work with a lot of emerging franchisors, so I really keep a close eye on that. Who has a unique, um, you know, opportunity within that niche that's differentiated. Um, I just personally bought into my fifth franchise brand uh, two weeks ago up in Nashville, Tennessee with a client of mine. I invested in them. 
And in that case, it's a mosquito business. Well, that's uh, an area that's very crowded, lots of competition. But when I look at a niche, I say, how are you going to compete if there's a, a lot of competition? Is it on price, on quality, or on speed? And in this case, with this brand, they compete and win on all three of those. So, um, you know, it's a brand that's doing a ton of deals out there right now for good reason because it's resonating and, and it makes sense. So um, there are a lot of different dimensions that we bring into account as we're looking at different brands. Yeah, it's interesting, right? So somebody has a successful business and it's like, okay, I could continue to grow and open up my own locations. But is that sort of a fork in the road where they could say, maybe I will actually turn this into a franchise? Absolutely. And, you know, I share with them, having been on the franchisor side, now on the franchisee side myself, you know, I, I've walked that road and I share with them what, you know, the benefits of franchising, using other people's money, you're able to scale quickly, you know, instead of having a regional sales team, you've got people with skin in the game. You can also command a higher exit down the road because private equity absolutely loves franchising, which I, I'm happy to get into. Um, However, you know, it does change your day to day. All of a sudden you have a lot of kids that you're trying to keep happy that have bought into your system uh, that come in with expectations. So, um, you know, that's something that we do talk a lot about. Yeah, that's interesting, right? It's like, okay, you started this for one reason and now it's turning into maybe a full-time job. And is that really what you're interested in? Maybe it is, maybe it's not. Maybe you have a heart for for teaching, which is, I I imagine, and coaching, a, a lot of being successful in creating community and all that. Or, or maybe you don't, but interesting. So Yeah, and one of the great things there, too, that's more anecdotal and kind of intangible is you're, you're creating a lot of jobs. You know, the faster you can scale, you're creating jobs, you're boosting the economy. And, you know, as I was sharing with you before the program, we're seeing an unprecedented level of interest in franchising right now. I, I think that COVID um, has caused a lot of people to, to step back and think about the path that they're on. And you know, think about is now the time that I scratch that itch that I've always wanted to, and that's being a business owner. You know, we're seeing stock market all time high, interest rates very low, and so a lot of capital on sidelines looking for a home, and uh, we're seeing a lot of that start showing up in franchising. We're we're actually projecting this year to be over forty to provide over forty percent growth in franchise sales over pre pandemic levels. Wow. So not compared to last year, but compared to two years ago. And so far, we're actually outpacing that in the first couple months of the year. Incredible. Do you have demographics on that? Is that young folks? Is that more seasoned folks? Yeah, you know, not not precise demographics, but uh, from a general swath, you know, you've got your baby boomers that have either been laid off or they're thinking about, uh, you know, going back to the office and it just doesn't excite them and they feel like they have a little too much gray in their hair to maybe go interview for another corporate job. Um, it, you've got many like myself that are kind of late 30s, early 40s that are saying, hey, you know, I, I don't want to end up in the same role in 10 years from now. I, I'd much rather um, make mm-hmm. a jump at this stage. And so they're looking at more side hustles, oftentimes semi-absentee opportunities where they put in 15, 20 hours a week, start building this business that they can eventually step into full-time. Um, and some of them are making a full leap. I've got many clients that have made the jump, uh, just uh, both both feet in. Now, I'm also seeing a lot of twin-somethings uh, that, that are exploring right now. And we've done a few deals this year with, um, folks that are in their late twenties that uh, that have said, "Hey, I think franchising is the right path for me." Once I've learned more about it, um, I've always wanted to be a business owner. I don't want to go out and come up with that new tech idea and, you know, and try to raise capital. Um, so, it really, is a wide swath. I'd say it's a larger group of different demographics than we've ever seen. Yeah, fascinating, right? You've got 
a massive number of people, at least from my perspective, when I pay attention to social media and, you know, people that are, are in love with guys like Gary Vee and people who are watching Shark Tank and it's the, the golden era of entrepreneurship, but that doesn't mean you need to go and start a tech company and raise VC money. To your point, there are a lot of other opportunities out there and if you explore it, you might find that, that it's perfect for you. Uh, in terms of of the amount of capital that somebody has to have. Um, I'm curious about that. I'm sure that it varies. And then also uh, how that might relate to to the new rules on, on SBA lending. Yeah, no, great question, George. Um, you know, I like to think about franchises really in four quadrants because there is a lot of variety there. Uh, you've got your simple retail, complex retail, B2C services and B2B services. Real fast or simple retail, think like fast food, where you can train someone up in a shift or two, large labor pool, you have a physical location, very brand-driven. Uh, complex retail, differentiated in that maybe you have a little more sophisticated labor force. You've got the Meinekees and Makos, or Hand and Stone, uh, Massage Envy, you know, just a little bit more uh, experience coming in. It, it doesn't have to be extensive. BSC services, like I mentioned, the home services, property services, where you're selling to a consumer, you don't have a physical location oftentimes. The senior care would fall into that. And then your B2B services, which would be everything from bookkeeping and payroll um, you know, firms to, uh, to cleaning and maintenance and janitorial and dumpsters. And it, so there's a, a lot of variety there from an investment standpoint. Every franchise has what's called an FPD or Franchise Disclosure Document. It has 23 articles or sections, if you will. Uh, item 19 is where they talk about their financial performance and make a representation of here's how our averages are across the system, what you can expect if you were to buy in. And then your item 7 is your all-in investment. And typically a franchise order there will include, if you do have a build-out cost, it would include that, any vehicles for the business, upfront marketing, startup cost, um, and then the franchise fee as well would be a piece of that uh, and some initial working capital. What So the, the reason I wanted to lay that out is because we do see variety in the retail spaces. I'd say most concepts are between 175 and 500,000 all in you know, for, for a location. And, and I'm happy to give the breakout there of what that contains. In the B2C services and B2B services, you can oftentimes get in for between 80,000 and 120. I'd say lots of franchises um, you know, that hit that kind of $100,000 threshold. And we are seeing more deals being done that are self-funded than ever before. Uh, there are ways through a ROBS program we can tap into the 401k or the IRA and use that funding without tax consequences. There's some special provisions. Um, we are still doing some SBA loans. I will be honest, SBA is a little less common right now just because PPP hasn't tied up and it's just taking too long on the approvals. Mm -hmm. um, however, you know, with the first CARES Act, there were some provisions in there you know, last September if you started Took out the SBA loan, started business by September, then the first six months, you know, you'd be for, um, have, have no interest rate charged. And, and there's a few little caveats like that. So we do have um, some great partners in Brand Fund, Benetrends, got it. They do a lot of work with us on the financing side. Awesome. I love it. Well, John, the people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Yeah, I, I'd say on the difference-making tip, I mean, there's a lot of directions I can go here, but Ultimately, you know, if you're, if you're not building your own dream, someone else is going to hire you to build theirs. And what I found is, um, you know, clients waking up to the realization that they're trading their time for money. I've got attorneys, I've got doctors, they're making a million dollars a year, but they're trading their time for money. And, and more and more are wising up to the fact that, hey, let's get something going on the side where I can leverage and build something. I'm, I'm personally 
investing in 25 businesses by 2025. I'm, I'm six, uh, five then now. Um, six is on the way here. Uh, but that's my goal. When I'm 45 years old, I want to have a lot of passive revenue uh, where I'm coaching from the sidelines and not involved in the day-to-day. So um, that, that would be my key takeaway there is just think about that idea of t- training time for money and are you building your dream or someone else's. Well, I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets Come on. Come on. John, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you and how can people engage with you? Yeah, I would love to talk with any uh, any of your audience that, uh, that has an interest. Uh, Fran Bridge Consulting, that's F-R-A-N, bridgeconsulting.com. Uh, is our website. Uh, feel free to reach out on LinkedIn. I love connecting. I'm passionate about uh, business ownership and, and helping people understand their options. So I would love to have those conversations and look forward to hearing from you. Excellent. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show John your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to franbridgeconsulting.com. Check out the resources. Connect with John. You can find him on LinkedIn as well. Thanks again, John. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight as we are all in this together.